Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. Uh, we took a few days off after the Florida State game, got our minds right, spent some time with the family, just, uh, you know, got our souls back in order after that soul-crushing loss on Monday night. We got a special treat for you here on the Thursday episode. Our guy Jeff Greer, all the way from who the fuck knows where in Europe, is going to join the podcast. <laughs> we're, we're very excited about it. Um, Jeff, I, I actually, I know where you are. You're, you're in Belgrade right now. You've been there for about a month. Um, you guys are, are big Belgrade now, guys. Uh, you're just all about Serbia these days. Yeah, we walk around with a Belgrade hat and a Belgrade pennant and uh, <laughs> p- Belgrade pom-poms. No, I, I'll be honest with you, Mike. Like, um, I mean, we, we're we both kind of fidgety. Uh, tra- as much as we love traveling, we're also, like, very uh, fidgety about it. So we do all sorts of research before we come to a place. And, you know, I mean, we were, we were old enough to remember um, that, that NATO bombed here and um, there's been a lot of controversy and, and uh, conflict here um, very recently. So we were a little interested to see what, what, uh, what this would be like and what to expect. And it's been, uh, it's beaten all of our expectations by far. We've had a great time, good food, lots of basketball and uh, plenty to do. So it's, it's been a nice surprise. People do ask me sometimes, you know, What's Jeff up to? Where's he been? Is he coming back? How's it all going? So that leads me to my first question, which is the most obvious one. We'll just go ahead and get this out of the way. How does it feel that Danielle Lerner is killing your job at The Athletic and nobody really misses you at all here? How how does that feel? (laughs) I was not fully prepared for the questions that were going to be presented on the podcast. No, uh, (laughs) I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that nobody misses me. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I've got uh, I've got my dog in prospect, and uh, and my my parents-in-law and and um, my uh, siblings-in-law, who I'm sure miss me. But other than that, uh, it's thin in Louisville. But no, I think Danielle's done a, a great job, and uh, it's been interesting also seeing um, my buddy Lucas um, over at Lucas Allback over at the Courier Journal covering the beat mm-hmm. and. It's, I got to tell you, man, it's, it's, as you would imagine, and I'm sure you're similar to me, like I've got all my notifications on Twitter and, and all that stuff. And it's just really weird. Like I've watched two full Louisville games all season. Um, I have read a bunch of stories. I've complained about all sorts of different things to, to you and others about what I've seen and not seen, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it, it, it's, it's this weird, um, I don't want to say cognitive dissonance, but it's just like this weird, like disconnect where I don't know why I'm still following it. 
<laughs> but, but at the same time, like it's, it's unavoidable. I mean, I wake up every morning to everybody's game tweets and everything. So it, it's just been kind of a weird experience, uh, from afar, but, uh, but to answer your original question, no, I'm not surprised. And I'm glad that you are forced to answer some of those questions though. I, I like that <laughs> other people are bothering you with that kind of stuff. We got you Stockholm syndrome, which is a, a good thing. Like you're going to have to play <laughs> basketball forever. But I mean, you did say like, before we get into your European travels and all the cool stuff that you guys have been doing for the last few months, because I do want to talk about that. Uh, you mentioned you at least have, you've watched two full games. You've been following Louisville from afar. You've seen what people have been saying. I mean, you know all the guys on this team. You were doing all the preseason work. Overall, big picture-wise, has this season gone about how you expected? Maybe a little bit worse, maybe a little bit better. As far as your preseason expectations are concerned, where does being 25-6 and six and looking like a potential 3-4 or four seed as we turn the corner and head into March, how, is that about what you thought it would be? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, you know, I, I will say I just remembered I, I'm up to three games now that I think about. It. I forgot I saw the Duke, uh, the Duke game uh, as well. But um, the other two were Virginia and, and Kentucky, um, just because they were <laughs> earlier in the day. All the games are at like two in the morning. Um, but anyway, no. I, am I surprised? Actually, no. It's it's pretty close to what I thought it would be. Um, not to steal Denny Green's um, magic, but. It's pretty close. I remember there was a uh, like a live chat or whatever you want to call it uh, that I did for the athletic maybe in August or something like that. And somebody asked what I thought uh, the expectations were for the season and if if you know I agreed with where Louisville was being ranked. And I and I remember hedging it, saying you know there's a lot of potential and and the ACC is basically getting a complete makeover. Um, from top to bottom with almost every roster it felt like a top two or top three team in the league. But I also agree with my uh, colleague, uh, Dana O'Neill, who said over the summer, it's really hard to go from 20 and 14 and a a 7-10 game and uh, the experience that Louisville had last year to being a top 10 final four contender. I mean, mm-hmm. that is a, that is a big, big, big leap. And you know that as well as anyone with all the teams that, you, that you're watching all the time. I mean, um, Gonzaga being a perennial one seed or, or final four team, that doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, obviously Duke had to, to build it up in, in, in the eighties and Louisville did in the eighties too. I mean, you guys know that as well as anything. Um, and it, it's hard. I mean, it, it's really, really difficult. Um, but they've handled the, they've handled it pretty well. There have been the hiccups that I kind of thought there would be at times um, on both ends of the floor and, and with a couple of losses that I think people would be disappointed by. But um, overall, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I wasn't quite sure where, like who they would lose to that would get them to this point or who they would beat to get them to this point. But big, big picture, it's pretty much what I expected uh, them to be in, uh, I guess, at the end of February, right before things really speed up. Has it been tough for you? I mean, obviously, you're, you're still paying attention to college basketball, big picture. I mean, you're, you're throwing out some facts there that make it apparent that you've been following along. But, I mean, you're a junkie. You're, you're a college hoops junkie. You and I will text about SoCon hoops at like 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, has it been a little bit hard for you to be this far removed from all of it as we're in, you know, late February? We got championship, we got conference tournaments next week. Has that been tough? 
Uh, honestly, no. Um, I thought it would be. I thought it would be tough for I still, I mean, I, I look at Ken Palm all the time and I'm still, like I said, that my notifications are still popping up. So I kind of have the general idea of, of what's going on. But um, it's been sort of refreshing to just completely unplug from American sports. I mean, um, the Super Bowl, I read about the next morning. I didn't even watch a second of the Super Bowl um, and college basketball definitely is my um, number one love in terms of American sports. And it's just been it, it's just been a different experience of, of having to check the ESPN app in the morning uh, to see how my fantasy, my ACC fantasy league um, <laughs> was an extremely, <laughs> extremely esoteric fantasy league. Um, but uh, how my players are doing in that. Um, has, has helped me sort of stay connected in that way. But aside from uh, that, that really fun uh, assignment I had, the or not assignment, story idea that I'm working on um, of, of sitting in the studio with, that, uh, with the Serbian college basketball broadcaster, I watched Purdue, Michigan. I really haven't sought out too many other games, and I'm okay with that. Um, the only other time I can think of, I realize I'm, I'm rambling now, but the only other time I can think of when I missed the NCAA tournament and didn't watch the Final Four in particular was um, in like 1998 or 1999, my, my family went to England for the holidays. I'm, I think it was, um, or 98, sorry, not the holidays, uh, for uh, spring break or whatever it was at the time, and I missed the Final Four. And I think it was the year that UConn Kentucky and Duke won. So Kentucky, Kentucky oh, no, won in 98, no, no. so don't worry about 98. it. 98. So it was 99. It was 99. Um, who was the – what was that one? UConn-Duke, that was right? I think UConn, it was UConn Duke, yeah. won. And, um, yeah, I totally missed it. And at the time, I was freaking out because I couldn't believe that I missed the Final Four. And here I am 20 years later, and I have absolutely no problem with missing – um, you know, the, the annual uh, St. Mary's Gonzaga games and, and all the other <laughs> random basketball games that kept me up at night and occupied my mind. It's been kind of nice to step back from it. So if it was 20 years since the last Final Four that you missed, I mean, that means we're due for like a fat point guard to win a national title this year. Because Khalid al yes, not not in great shape, not not yes. uh, not slight. <laughs> so I'll look he forward to that. hope to all, all the guys who look like us that maybe someday we can lead a lead a, a college basketball team to a title but it I is funny that, be, uh, go ahead I, I was just gonna say i think that means san diego state's definitely gonna win because they got that matt mitchell kid who is definitely yeah. pudgy. he's very pudgy so there you go i love it i love it that's great uh, for people who i mean I, I think most louisville fans have been at least following along to what you've been doing following your stories that you've been posting at the athletic and, and your work on, on uh twitter but for people who haven't, I mean, you've been, you guys have been going around to all the coolest places in Europe. It, it's been really fun for me to follow from afar, even though I just, I give you shit and I'm act like I am mad at you for doing this. It's, I'm insanely jealous of all you've gotten to do. You mentioned the the Serbian play-by-play announcer. I thought that was really awesome because every now and then you'll see one of those clips from a college basketball game or a pro football game, and it's like, look at this Russian announcer freaking out, and you're like how does this happen? Like, who is this person who's calling these American sports uh, in a different language? And it was basically from, you know, based on your, your story and the, the videos that you took, it's like a dude in Serbia sitting in a room watching Michigan Purdue on TV and just talking along, like calling the action. That was, that was kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. So um, 
<laughs> so yeah, well, first of all, I, I will say like we've we've um, we've certainly enjoyed very um, very different places over the last five months, um, and and that story or that uh, I guess experience uh, that's going to be built into a story is a great example um, of, of the kind of thing uh, that I've been able to do over here, which is really see basketball in a totally different light. Um, obviously the biggest reason we're over here is we want to experience different cultures and, uh, I want to challenge myself in a very different way as a, as a writer and a journalist. And, uh, my wife, Elizabeth can, um, can continue working and, and, um, has been doing her travel blog, which I'll get a, uh, a little pub in there for her. She's at anchoredadventureblog.com if people want to read her travel blog. But, um, but no, it's been really cool. Like that, that side of it. Uh, like the you know sitting in <laughs> sitting in this little studio in uh, the neighborhood that's called New Belgrade, uh, which is across the bridge from where the old town is, where the main city center is, and it is I'm not exaggerating. I mean it feels like you are in like the exurbs of Atlanta, where it's like block by block, humongous boulevards and these big tall buildings, and that's where everyone lives. Uh, but it's also where Arena Sport is. Uh, which is one of the TV uh, sports TV outlets here, and uh, yeah, like <laughs> he literally—that's my guy. His name is Ivan, um, or Ivan, as uh, as some Americans would say. He he is like our age. He has loved college basketball his whole life. Um, every time I've seen him, he's wearing a different, brand new looking. He must have a really good washing machine uh, hoodie of a college team. Uh, from the U.S. Um, I mean, it's just such a fascinating thing that he basically gets to pick from the ESPN international feed uh, what games he wants to do. He's done a couple Louisville games. Um, Duke, uh, he tries to do games that would be interesting to people, um, much to the chagrin of uh, Philippe Petrosev's dad, who is also living here, uh, and wants to watch his son on television instead of on his computer. Uh, but Gonzaga plays so much later than everybody else um, mm. that it's tough to do. But anyway, yeah, they just sit in a studio, man. It's it's incredible. Um, and I don't think people realize this. I'm sure you do. Um, but a, a lot of American um, broadcasts are like that, too. A, a lot of the soccer games that are being played over in Europe that are broadcast in America um, are broadcast by two guys sitting in a studio, um, and watching the game. So it, it's definitely a very different experience than sitting uh, courtside or, or ringside or, or at a, a stadium and calling a game live. It's, it's totally different. I want to rewind real quick to when you said um, Yvonne or Ivan, as some Americans would say. Have we, lost you, all, have we lost you already? Are you that far gone? Have you, do, do we not have any hope when you come back to the States that you're going to be yeah. an American? I'm in, well, I'm an American. I'm just an insufferable American. You're but, a citizen um, of the world now. I'm a citizen of the world. It's like when people say Iran and Iraq. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> like, really? That's how you're trying to, that's how you're going to pronounce that? Like, really? Um, but that, I, I was like that before I came over here. So well, I've the just college always... kid who went on, uh, who did the one semester study <laughs> on Rome, and it's like, actually, it's Bruschetta. It's not Bruschetta. I've been <laughs> pronouncing it wrong. You're going to be insufferable when you come back. I don't know what I'm going to do with you. 
We, we, Mike, we absolutely savaged, like absolutely savaged my one friend, Alex, who I'm going to send him this podcast so he can hear this reference. He spent his spring semester in Australia. And when he came back, he had grown his hair out. Um, (laughs) He was super tan and he always would say no worries and mate, like all the time. And we're like, Alex. You're from Garden City, New York. You do not talk like this. Like, it's over. Don't worry about it. You're in Pittsburgh again. So I won't be that bad, I promise. Cheers. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I can't wait. Um, you, Like I said, you've been to, I mean, if anybody's been following your Instagram videos and stuff like that, you've done uh, so much cool stuff and seen so many big-time sporting events and just gone to so many big-time landmarks. If you had to, I know this is the generic everybody asks after a big-time trip question, but Major highlight, like, like what's been the biggest thing so far that you're going to look back in 30 years and say, that was the coolest thing we did on this trip? Well, I, I have a feeling I'm going to have different answer to that um, as the as the trip continues. Obviously, it, it seems like the longer we're over here, the more I stumble into really cool things. Um, the coolest thing, though, so far has been um, – so I, when I was a kid, well, not a kid, when I was like middle school age, so I guess that's still a kid, um, I, I, we went to England for uh, a summer with my family. We did this whole job swap thing. I know I've told you about this before. Um, my, my dad and this guy in, in Warwick, England, swapped jobs uh, with my dad in Warwick, Rhode Island, and their family lived in our house. We lived in their house, and we like hung out in England for um, an extended period of time. It was the original, and, the holiday, right? Yes, you, you, exactly. The holiday exactly. before it was actually a movie. Exactly. And they all talk like Kate Winslet and uh, <laughs> we all talk like Cameron Diaz and, and, uh, Jude Law lived next door. Yeah, totally. Just like that. Um, but no, and, and I absolutely fell in love with soccer, um, or football as they say over here, obviously, but, um, I just fell in love oh. with it. And so I came back to the U S and uh, it was the late 90s. I mean, you know, they would, they would show like the World Cup and, and you might be able to watch the European Championships on like Telemundo uh, mm-hmm. and you could watch the Mexican League. But really, outside of that and the occasional MLS game, uh, which I'm, you would have to pay me to watch the MLS, um, it was hard to, to follow European soccer. Um, but we found uh, the Champions League was on uh, was on ESPN for a long time. And so it became a tradition um, that I would come home from school and my brother and his best friend, who's basically like my second older brother, uh, would have gotten out of school a little bit earlier. And of course, they could drive. So they would drive over and they would get Chinese food, dumplings, all, all sorts of different stuff and be waiting for me. And we'd come home and we'd watch these Champions League games together. So fast forward uh, 20 years, and I am sitting in Lyon, uh, France, watching uh, a Champions League game, and they have this great anthem. Uh, it's the best sports anthem that there is, um, and the players are walking out, and people are firing off like M80s in the, in the crowd, and there's flares going. And um, I mean, it was just an incredible experience, and to have it all um, kind of rush back of that experience of watching those games growing up with my older brother and, and his friend and, um, and think about how far I've come in my life uh, for 20 years uh, to go from that to my first Champions League game. It was, it was quite the rush of, of 
emotion and excitement and stuff. So that was still my favorite uh, experience. But um, I certainly have had a few others that are very real contenders uh, that have been. I just want to say one thing real quick. Okay. I, I think that there's a danger when you travel like this or even, I mean, on, on the trips you've been on, like in the trips I had been on before this, there's a danger when you come back of being like, I had the best Noki. I had the best pizza. I did this and it was the best. I went to the best basketball game ever, all this stuff. And you oversell it. And I just want people to know that a lot of the really cool experiences that I've had over here remind me a lot of the really cool experiences that I've had in the U.S., like going to Cameron Indoor or seeing my first Louisville, Kentucky game um, or going to the NBA finals, you know, little things like that. that they're, they're comparable um, and it's not all that different. So um, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging by saying that it was just a, it was just a super, super cool experience for me. Uh, with with the um, long history of watching that stuff with my brother and, and his friend, so that was my number one choice. Oh, I love it. Um, you, I know you said that stuff is comparable over there as it is to here, but when I watch your basketball videos, it seems like a different level of just fan intensity. Like I, I you know, I watched BYU Gonzaga over the weekend. Everybody's talking about how crazy the BYU environment was. These kids are, you know, just fueled by. Well, they don't drink, so they're fueled by. Sexual frustration, I guess, is what uh, <laughs> is what's driving those Mormon kids. But then I look at your videos, and you've got like people just shooting shit off in the crowds. It seems like it's always <laughs> bordering on a riot. It seems like it's always going to be. Is it as scary as it as it as it looks on your videos in real life? Yes, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> um, I I will say that uh, we've we've downloaded uh, WhatsApp so that we can text a little bit easier over here and. Um, uh, Elizabeth sends me plenty of, are you okay? How's it going? Uh, you know, that kind of stuff for a couple of those games. Um, the, the vast majority of them are not like that. Um, I had great experiences like watching Kyle Keurig in, in Barcelona was a really fun game. Um, although I will say there were protests there a little bit uh, around the arena, nothing out of like, you know, out of character or people fighting or anything like that. But there were people waving the Catalan uh, flags and, and chanting about uh, Catalan independence um, from Spain. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, and then France, totally tame, cool experiences, felt like a regular college basketball game, maybe um, smaller level than, than the ACC in terms of the crowd, but still decent crowds. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then I got to Croatia and Serbia. Um, and I, I gotta tell you, like the rivalry here, it's called, so, so the phrase Darby, it's spelled like Derby, like Kentucky Derby, but it's pronounced Darby. It's mm-hmm. a British phrase. And the rivalry here is called the eternal Darby. Uh, like they will always be rivals. Um, and it is as intense as the name of the rivalry sounds. Uh, it's partisan and red star Belgrade. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, Mike, like, uh, it was, I think, February 3rd. They played each other in a league game. One of the team's fans were not allowed to be, were not allowed to go to the game. Oh, my God. They literally, they literally only allowed the home team to have fans, and it was Red Star Belgrade. And they had riot police. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what there is in the water, but every single police officer here is 6'2", 220, and <laughs> it's terrifying. 
um, square jaw, the whole nine yards. Um, and they are all around the arena um, having to basically protect these players. Um, it's so intense. People throw pens, uh, lighters, um, all sorts of change coins um, onto the court. And uh, it, it's at the refs, at the opposing players. I mean, it is just a totally different environment. Um, but uh, it, it's just, <laughs> it, it's it's one of those things where you have to truly like experience it to to really like value how intense it is. I'm not sure that it's something that I would regularly enjoy, but I do think that it's something that is uh, quite an eye-opening, <laughs> quite an eye-opening experience. I've never seen away play, players on the away team having a police escort off the court with giant riot gear shields blocking the tunnel so that they don't get hit with any of the things that are being thrown at them. I've never seen that before. So that was definitely different than anything um, that I've experienced <laughs> sitting in the media section with my laptop like an idiot. Um well, hoping that I don't get hit in the head with a pen. So it sounds to me a lot like the like the Oakland Zoo back in your pit days. <laughs> no, not even close. Not pit even, West Virginia. Uh, yes, uh, I, not even close. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, maybe if uh, maybe if there was a really controversial ending or something, yeah. But I, I can't. I ha- have no comparison. It, it the only comparison in terms of like the feel of having fans like all over you at all times as Cameron indoor, but instead of them being Duke students, they're literally going bananas and, and like throwing stuff at people and going absolutely nuts in like a, in like a, a unified way. It, it's just, it, it, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even compare it to that. You mentioned you spent some time with Kyle Kirk and wrote a story about him. I know you saw Rick Pitino's uh, Panathinaikos team in Greece play. Am I missing any Louisville connections? And if so, or if I'm not, uh, how, how just kind of tell the people a little bit about the experience with Kirk and the experience watching Pitino's team play. Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was cool seeing Kyle and, and um, talking with him and learning all about his life uh, in Barcelona. And he's certainly been through a lot, as I'm sure people, uh, especially in Louisville, know all, all about everything that happened with him. Um, and he was, he was really interesting. I think he's got 93 things on his bucket list that he created after his, uh, surgery, um, and, uh, from his, uh, tumor back, uh, what was that? 2015 or something like that. He's got mm. 93 items on his bucket list and his little notes, uh, mode on his phone. And he's already ticked off like 45 of them or something like that. Um, <laughs> they're all things that I would never do because I'm a pansy, but, um, but anyway, uh, no, that was great to see him, and um, it was interesting because they the game I saw them play uh, was against Alba Berlin, which is Peyton Siva's team. So uh, of course they were happy to see each other. Um, and it, you know he, it, the thing about Kyle is um, once you get over here, it really is so isolated from the U.S. in terms of like how much people know about it. I think everyone kind of thinks that the whole continent is euro league or at least there's a lot of people who think that um and, and the euro league is the best league out of everyone it's the best teams from the entire continent playing each other um, but they also play in their domestic leagues in their own countries against teams from from elsewhere in spain or france or wherever it is uh, and they have cup competitions so it really is the best of the best in the euro league 
Uh, and that's where Kyle's been playing now for a few years. So he is considered and respected um, as one of the top players um, in Europe, uh, one of the top American players in Europe and has really carved a niche for himself. So uh, that was cool to see and learn all about that side of him. Patino was different. I mean, it was uh, it was a big arena. Um, I, I, I don't he's not I wouldn't say that he's like not happy to see me um, <laughs> but he's certainly he's, cer- he's, he's certainly cordial um, but I do I, I do wonder if there's maybe a little bit of like you know kind of flashbacks from the past that he might sure. want to think about um, but watching him coach my goodness I mean he's got the towel still uh, for his knee um, for in-game action when he kneels down and is, uh, kind of puts his head on his hand and is shouting. Uh, he still definitely shouts. Uh, he's got the water uh, lined up next to the <laughs> next to the bench. Um, he leaves with his entourage. Uh, he had an army of people following him when he was leaving the arena. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 very similar to the the Rick that we're all used to. Um, right down to him making jokes in the press conference, and then someone having to translate them into Serbian. Uh, which was hilarious because it was like a it was like a 10 second delayed laughter uh, and like half the people didn't get it and then Rick's like that that was a joke um, it, was, it was very entertaining but um, but yeah it's just uh, it's totally different to see those guys over here in a, in a very different environment um, I don't there's only a couple other Louisville guys who are over here I, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Earl Clark is is playing in um, Montenegro. Uh, oh, really? I think, I think he is. Um, he, at least he had been in the past, um, but he was before my time in Louisville, so he doesn't know me. But um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of fun to see uh, people you know um, in a very different environment. There's been some, and here's the: if you talk about Rick Pitino, this is the question that you're contractually obligated to ask as a follow-up. There's been, and I mentioned this on a prior pod, there's been at least a little bit of buzz that if UMass does fire Matt McCall at the end of the season, which seems possible, that Rick Pitino would be more of a realistic, like a live shot for that job than he was last year when some people thought he might get the Rhode Island job. I mean, do you think, like, is that in the the future, if you had to guess, is Rick Pitino a college basketball coach again in the next two years? I know he wants to be, but do you think this winds up happening? Hmm. Um... You know, I, I, I think he would prefer to be in the United States, um, and that's not a, a diss on, on Greece or, or Panathinaikos. Um, I do think that his obligations with the Greek national team might make it a little difficult for him, but obviously I don't think that that's a, a deal breaker. Um, but I, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine him coaching college again. Um, like two years ago, it wasn't. Uh, you know, a year out from everything and him trying to have to kind of repair his image a little bit and, and all of those things. But the farther he gets out from it, the more I think that he just likes coaching pros and um, doing something a little different. Um, and I'm just, he's getting up there. Uh, what is he? I think he's like 67 or 68 now. I mean, uh. it, that's, that's tough. It's kind of the same with Beeline, obviously the baggage and, and the, the, controversial stuff uh is not there with beeline but it's the same thing where it's like do you really 
do, do if you're at that age and you've accomplished what those guys have accomplished, do you really want to start from scratch uh, at a program like UMass that would be starting from scratch? I mean, um, I don't know, but it is his alma mater. So right. uh, that, that certainly adds an interesting element to it. Yeah, I think he wants to. I think it's all going to be contingent on how this second round of NCAA stuff plays out. And really, not just with him. If the NCAA, let's say that they go, you know, just completely drop the hammer on everybody and it results in Sean Miller getting fired and Will Wade getting fired and all these people are just untouchable for a couple of years, then I don't think a program can take a chance on Rick Pitino. But uh, again, we'll see. Um, for uh, last question here, I know that I've taken up too much of your time already, but Everybody wants to know when you're covering European basketball, like who's the next guy who's going to come over here and, and light it up? Like who's the next Luka Doncic? Like I know you've covered a couple of guys who seem like NBA draft prospects, some who are ready to come, some who have, aren't ready to make the leap. Who do we need to be knowing? Who, what names do we need to start getting our, ourselves acclimated with over here when we're talking about the next big Euro prospect? Uh, good question. Um, the one thing that I would say is um, there's a couple of guys who I, I think you'll need a couple of years from now before um, these names matter a whole lot. I mean, I think they'll be drafted, but um, it's going to take them a little more time than it does for Don, uh, for uh, than it did for Doncic and, and some of the other guys who have come over. He's on. I mean, that guy is unreal um, and super talented and took a different route than a lot of people by going straight to Real Madrid. Um, That's that's considered there. Them and Barcelona are considered like the two cream of the crop teams in Europe. Uh, So the fact that he went there as a teenager and was already awesome before he came to the NBA is pretty incredible. Um, I'll give you I'll give you three guys who I can think of that that I've either seen in person or have heard enough from um, pros over here who really know things and have been around for a while um, to, to think that this guy is, is going to be a factor. The first guy is Denny Avdia. Um, he plays for Maccabi Tel Aviv. I have not seen him play. I'm supposed to see him in April. Um, he is projected to be like a top eight pick, top 10 pick. I've seen some even in the top five. Um, in the last couple of months, he's really gotten a lot of mentions from people as a guy who's very impressive. He's like six, eight, six, nine, can handle the ball, uh, can shoot a little bit. It's inconsistent, but just a really dynamic player. So I, I think he could be, um, from this cycle, probably the, the foreign name that, um, that sticks the longest. Um, the other two guys, I would say one of them, I have kind of a, a special spot for just because I like his story and uh, he's a really great guy is uh, Teo Maladon at, um, <laughs> and you're going to love this. He plays for Asvel. Uh, yeah. Leon, or as you like to say, Asvel. Asvel, baby. Uh, <laughs> there was a team at the under 18 tournament that I was at this past weekend named Asico. Oh uh, yeah. Which I thought it was hilarious. Um, like I want to work for that company. Uh, but anyway, um, he's he, Maladon is an interesting cat. He's like 18, 19 years old. If he played in the U.S., he would be one of those like six, four point guard, five star point guards who, as a freshman, everyone would be all over him as as, you know, a top 15 pick in the draft. And, oh, if he goes to if he goes to Missouri or like, you know, one of those places where you're like, what is that guy doing there? Um, they'd be like a seven seed in the tournament because of him. Um, 
So <laughs> he's he's just an interesting player, and he's got great work ethic and a great attitude. So he'll be a first-round pick, I would think, uh, and he's going to need some time to adjust, but I do think he'll end up being uh, a, a valuable player in the NBA down the line. The last guy is one who may not even go in the draft this year. I don't know if he will or not. Um, but I watched him play in a EuroLeague game in Barcelona, and I was like, who is this kid? I was, I was texting a couple people that uh, follow this closer than I do, and I'm like, Where, who is this kid? Where does he come from? He's like 6'7", but he plays kind of a lead guard. I don't want to say point guard, but he's a lead guard. His name is Leandro Bolnaro, and he's Argentinian, and everyone calls him the next Manu Ginobili, uh, oh. which is – Really high praise, um, but I watched him play in a game where he played like just super confident, um, was throwing one-handed bounce passes from foul line to foul line. He did a couple of things that were really impressive, so um, he's he's still really young. He's younger than the other two guys, um, but he may end up being a guy that, that makes an impact on the line. So uh, Bomero, Maladon, and Avdia are my three uh, three guys that I pay the most attention to. I'm going to learn how to spell all those names, and then I'm going to Google them all three and, and see what comes up. So I'm, I'm very excited about <laughs> doing that. All right, man, I've, I've kept you long enough. It's been really fun to catch up uh, and hear all about your, your European travels. And in all seriousness, you are absolutely missed in Louisville. We definitely have missed your, your coverage this year and just your general Jeff Greerness that has been ripped <laughs> from the city. So I, I know I'll be talking to you soon, and I can't wait to catch up with you uh, when we get to see you guys here down the road. But I appreciate the time, man. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. And go have a Nancy's bagel for me while you're, uh, while you're in town. <laughs> no problem. Uh, Car Chronicle podcast. We'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about the Virginia Tech game on Sunday and then also a little bit of a, a senior day breakdown. Tune in for that. If, uh, if you haven't already, I know I end the podcast with this every time. Please subscribe to the pod. Give us a nice review. Give us a nice rating. And we'll, I don't have the, uh, the reviews in front of me, so we're going to have to read those tomorrow. But if you do one between now and then the next 24 hours, I promise I'll read it on the next podcast, regardless of what you say. So uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Go Cards.